Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in once again for Simon Morris. This week on our hybrid edition of At The Movies, a mismatched couple has their breakup interrupted by a criminal and sexual conspiracy. We didn't kill him. You hit him with your car, man. No. I mean, yes, I did, but... No, that was that, that's all. That was a while ago. Oh, oh my God, I'm like... After I hit him, he was alive and, like, great. Not great. He wasn't having the best day, but he's been breathing since then. In the misty mountains of Colombia, a group of child soldiers guards a precious hostage and a cow called Shakira. Cuénteme, cuadro! Señor, permiso para ser socio de lady. Vuelva al sitio! And an ambitious Pentagon lawyer gets caught up in a campaign to recognize the bravery of a soldier from 30 years earlier. What are you doing? What? This thing was ancient history before you were born. Let me let you in on something. It is an undisputed fact at the Pentagon that all the real hardware goes to the officers. There's been one enlisted Medal of Honor in the history of the Air Force. To win the amazing race, you need to be a team, you need to be on the same page. I'm, I feel like I'm on one page of the book and you're like reading a magazine. Yeah, I would love to be on the same page as you, but you're always locked in your office editing that movie. It's not okay. a movie. This is a documentary about corruption in the educational How system. How would I know? You won't even show it to I'll me. I'll show you whenever you want. Okay, great. How about tomorrow? I can't do it tomorrow. I'm rendering the animation. Steph and George are getting married. Did you just like that? Yeah. What happened to marriage is bullshit. It is. Okay, well then why did you like it? Because I didn't want to be the only one out of our friends to not like it. I'm not a hater. Well, it's finally happened. Eight weeks ago, when the Level 4 lockdown began, people were predicting that films that had been scheduled to appear in cinemas would be dumped onto the streaming services. It didn't quite happen like that. Most films were held back in the hopes that the world would return to normal soon enough and that they could still turn a quid at the box office. Now that mythical beast, the Hollywood film that was supposed to play theatrically but instead shows up on Netflix, has finally been sighted in the wild. The Lovebirds, a romantic comedy thriller starring Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjani, was supposed to blitz the world's multiplexes a fortnight ago, but it's arrived on Netflix instead. Pre-Covid, this would have been classic popcorn fodder. It's undemanding, unimaginative, inexpensive to produce, although for a budget of $16 million you could make five Kiwi features and they would all look better than this. The Lovebirds is the kind of picture that would have contributed nicely to a studio bottom line, even if no executive would be able to remember green lighting it. This was bread and butter stuff for Hollywood, meat and potatoes for the mainstream industry. And it's rubbish. I do have to temper that conclusion with the consideration that I might have enjoyed it more in those far-off times of the multiplexes, so I'll stop for a moment, have a little think... There you go. No, no, it would have been rubbish in any era. Did you think it was one of those men-only doors? Sorry. 
Maybe, maybe there's one of those like catwalk things around the a side. Catwalk? You mean like for fashion shows? Do you mean a fire escape? <laughs> Why are you making jokes right now? This is serious. Okay, okay. Here, break the glass. You go. Miko, I'm You're wearing, wearing heels. heels. Right, the ice pick part will stab the The ice the pick part? You mean the heel? Yes, the pointy heel part of the shoe will break the glass. It'll go right through no, it. No, no. Use your shoulders? We'll okay. break the glass. I just got kicked by a horse. Can I take five minutes off from, like, bashing myself? Issa Rae, a generally appealing screen presence who is perhaps best known for her TV shows Insecure and Awkward Black Girl, plays Leilani, who's been in a relationship for four years with Gibran, played by Kumail Nanjani, a stand-up comedian who made his name as an actor in the story of his own wife's life, The Big Sick, a few years ago. This couple bickers and fights over the amazing race, his stalled documentary career, her friendships with co-workers, pretty much everything. In a car ride on the way to a dinner party, they finally break up, and Gibran, distracted by the fight, hits a cyclist who, despite his injuries, immediately rides away. Before they can make sense of what's going on, Gibran and Leilani's car is commandeered by someone who says he's a cop. This guy's played by Paul Sparks. But when he catches up with the cyclist and then finishes the poor guy off by running him over several times before disappearing into the city himself, our hero couple realise that something is indeed very wrong with this situation. On top of being the only witnesses to a murder, Gibran has the victim's blood on his jacket and their car was the murder weapon. As people of colour in modern America, this does not look good for them. So they do what Queen and Slim did in another film that we've featured on this programme recently. They make a run for it. No, no, no. We didn't kill him. It was your car, man. No, I mean, yes, I did, but... No, that was, that, that's all. That was a while ago. Oh, oh my God, oh my God. After I hit him, he was alive and, like, great. Not great. He wasn't having the best day, but he's been breathing since then. He's Dead. We, we know he's dead, but we didn't. We didn't kill him. Well, he just said he killed him. No, I said I hit him with my car. You clearly it worked. You killed the guy with your car. I man. was driving and here? we broke up and, and I got distracted and I ran through a red light. light. Just but when then the this bus guy crash came in, a, a weird like I helped a little bit with my map, which I meant was definitely a mistake. Took our car. What are you? What are you doing? I'm calling 911. Please don't do that. We would never hurt anyone. He'd like to report a murder or whatever. We didn't murder anybody. Stop. You stop. Oh my God, the police aren't going to believe us. Do you know how stupid we sound? The citizen's arrest. Okay. What is that? It's an arrest for the citizen. Can you do that? Can you do that? On the count of three, okay? On the count of three, what? What is that face? In the count of three, you can't your face. Just say it. On the count of three. What? One, two, three, go! What? The guy just ran for it? Okay, the guy's name is Gibran. In one long night, Leilani and Gibran have to solve the puzzle of the murder and clear their names, all the while trying to break up with each other. It's a classic high-concept setup, but it's let down by the fact that none of the pieces really fit together in any satisfying way. It's as if a studio development executive just picked the names of two popular stars out of a hat and decided to drop them in the middle of whatever city was offering the biggest tax breaks that month. In this case, it's New Orleans. And then hired a director, Michael Showalter, who made the big sick for Nanjani. And then they assemble a crew before realising two weeks out that they'd forgotten to write a script. Never mind. We'll just let the lead actors improvise. That'll work. 
Nanjani and Ray have no discernible chemistry together, which is sort of understandable if you buy that they're a couple that's breaking up, but it's very hard to believe that they would have ever gotten together in the first place, and I spent most of the picture wishing that they would both shut up for a bit. The lovebirds actually made me quite angry. My wife and I had chosen it as our Saturday night entertainment last weekend, and, because of you lovely people, we had to watch it through to the 87th and final minute, so it actually managed to ruin a good night off. I hadn't spent too much time before this revisiting the film, because, frankly, if the filmmakers couldn't really be bothered, why should I? But now that I've written some of these thoughts down, I'm just angry all over again. What a waste of my time. We are not suspects in a... Murder, homicide. You know we didn't do this. We didn't do it. Of course you didn't do it. Why would two civilians violently murder a man they've never even met? Like, why? Why why would we? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's right. I mean, I promise I've never killed anyone, and I promise to never kill anyone. Scouts on her. Never kill anyone. Never kill. Have I thought about killing people like Gibran? All the time. The Lovebirds is rated 13 plus for some very robust language and adult themes, and it's streaming now on Netflix. Lobo le tiene que decir algo. ¡Vuelva al sitio! ¡Cuénteme, cuadro! Señor, permiso para ser socio de Lady. ¡Vuelva al sitio! ¡Eso es verdad, soldado! ¿Quiere ser socia de Lobo? Sí, señor. As the picture theatres have been reopening, it has been the art house distributors that have been quickest off the mark with new material. And films don't come much more art housey than Monos, a cracker of an atmospheric drama from Colombia. Some of you will have seen it during last year's International Film Festival, but I'm very glad to see that it has been given a local release in cinemas because it's one of those films that will lose a lot of its intensity in a domestic environment. Monos opens in the misty mountains of Colombia. Without anything in the way of exposition, we soon realise that something terrible has happened. Monos, or monkeys, is the name of a squad of child soldiers alone in the mountains, living in some kind of derelict concrete bunker, charged with guarding a precious hostage. We don't know whether this is a fictional present-day civil war or some kind of post-apocalyptic battle for resources. Some of the uniform choices worn by these kids are straight out of Mad Max. In any case, times are bad, and only the occasional visit from a weird little character called Messenger seems to instill any discipline or order. On his latest visit, Messenger brings with him a new mission a dairy cow named Shakira, who they are to milk and protect, because looking after it will prove to the poor locals that this army, known as the organization, is on their side. Oh! <laughs> 
course, things do not run smoothly. At a party to celebrate the authorization of a romance between the squad's leader, Wolf, and his girlfriend, known as Lady, they get stoned and fly off the rails, and Shakira is accidentally killed by stray gunfire. Wolf knows that as the leader of the squad, he will be court-martialed and probably shot, so he kills himself, and the rest of the squad cook up a lie so that Wolf will take the fall. Meanwhile, their hostage, an American engineer known as Dottora, played by Julianne Nicholson, suffers their degradation and looks for a possible escape route. Without the leadership of Wolf, the gang starts to fall apart, and that opportunity to get away presents itself. Can she pull it off, or will the Monos get it together long enough to keep her alive and in their care? Laura. The girl's name was Laura. You must answer one more. Wait, wait, no, I have a question. Listen carefully. Who is the greatest hero of all time? Superman, Spider-Man, or Batman? Clearly inspired by William Golding's Lord of the Flies and the jungle horror of Conrad's Heart of Darkness, Monos is also an allegory for Colombia, a young country, often rudderless with a population that has often felt that it has had to fend for itself with all of the poor choices that that can often entail. Just recently, a story appeared on the Guardian website about a group of young Tongan boys shipwrecked in the 60s, uh, and it tried to suggest that Golding's tale of a society falling apart on a desert island was a bit of a fantasy, and that conflict, violence and death weren't an automatic assumption. In Monos, the squad isn't all boys. Indeed, there's some gender fluidity in some of the characters. And I think the writer-director Alejandro Landes is deliberately trying to stay away from making any kind of gendered judgment. They're just kids, with all of the lack of impulse control that implies. The performances from mostly non-professional or first-time young actors are nothing short of astonishing. Landis, who was born in Brazil but is a Colombian-Ecuadorian co-production himself and who now lives in Miami, has produced some amazing set pieces here. The credits imply that there is some support from digital visual effects, but you'd never guess. Halfway through the film, the squad relocates to the jungle, and the difference in environment for the kids and Dottora is palpable. Landis mostly stays close to his actors, but the occasional grand, wide compositions can be breathtaking. The photography is by Jasper Wolf. There are quite a few sequences in Monos that are real edge-of-your-seat stuff, the tension that goes along with that sense of dread. It's not for the faint-hearted, I'm guessing, but it's also not like anything you've seen recently. Thrilling and unnerving. <laughs> A tocar llamar por radio y reportar lo que pasó. ¿Y cómo se va a decir? Pues que luego mató la vaca y después se mató. Eso es mentira. Pues ¿Qué quieres decir? Que perro mató la vaca para que lo manden a fusilar. Eso es que no es Monos is rated R13 for violence, offensive language and content that may disturb and it's playing in select cinemas across New Zealand from this weekend. So what's your story? Why are you here? 
Well, I appreciate what you've been through. Uh, I'm here to help. If you wanted to help, you'd pick up a weapon and get some scan in the game, friend. You'd acknowledge you own a piece of every bomb dropped and every bullet fired and every skirmish since you've been born. That you have blood on your hands, you understand? Second chance. Why are you here? It's my job. I don't have a choice. See, that's progress. Vulnerability and communication. Honesty builds trust. That's the only real currency we got left in this world. One of the films that Monos has been compared with is Coppola's Apocalypse Now. And they do both feature people going mad in the jungle during wartime, I'll give it that. But we'll finish with a film that is about the real Vietnam War and its ongoing scars. The Last Full Measure is a drama about the long campaign to award Air Force para-rescueman William H. Pitzenbarger the Medal of Honor for saving over 60 soldiers during one of the bloodiest battles of the war. Last Monday was Memorial Day in the United States, and even though the arrival of The Last Full Measure in cinemas here this weekend is largely coincidental, it's a pointed coincidence nonetheless. After action report that you wrote on the battle... A lot of it is missing. Everything that I wrote went up to Saigon chimney 32 years ago, brother. Look, I, I talked to a lot of the, the guys in Charlie Company, and no one seems to know. I mean, who even thought up Operation Abilene in the first place? Company CEO, Mad Matty Holt. Madison Holt? Colonel. There's a big shot in Washington now, I think. Yeah, Senator Holt. Maybe you're going to be Secretary of Defense one day. He was a good CO. It was a very bad day. The last full measure is told through the eyes of a fictionalized Pentagon lawyer played by Sebastian Stan. He was Bucky in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you might remember. In fact, a few of the heavy-hitting cast of this film also had roles in those superhero pictures, Samuel L. Jackson, William Hurt. Uh, They appear alongside the likes of Christopher Plummer, Diane Ladd, Ed Harris, Bradley Whitford, John Savage and the late Peter Fonda in his final screen performance. Fonda, in fact, is fantastic as a veteran with a desperate case of PTSD, one of those saved by Pitzenbarger and with a terrible survivor's guilt that has haunted him for decades. People around here think I'm a goddamn vampire. Maybe they're right, too, because I ain't slept in the dark for 32 years. Know what I'm saying, sir? You know what that is? Yes. No. No, I, I don't. Yeah. Big Red One. First Infantry Division. Baddest goddamn GIs ever laced to boot. Is that loaded? You know what you call a gun that ain't loaded? A fucking stick, sir. You know what, Jimmy? Uh, can I... Can I call you Jimmy? I'm a civilian, so you don't have to call me sir. The only reason I'm talking and not shooting is because of Tully. He said this is all about Pitts getting the medal. Ain't that right? Right. Absolutely. Because I don't give a shit about you. I don't give a shit about anything. 
I just want to be left goddamn alone. The Pentagon lawyer, played by Stan, is named Scott Huffman here, and he's an ambitious, career-oriented guy, on the fast track to a big government appointment and a long career, maybe even politics. He thinks he's been given this investigation to bury it in an election year, but he makes the fateful step of actually meeting a few of the veterans and learning more about what went on during that Operation Abilene in 1966. Of course, their stories get their teeth into him, and he realises that there has been an injustice that has to be put right. The strength of The Last Full Measure is this great cast, and they all get a scene or two to really unwind that talent. Sometimes you wish there was a little less telling and a bit more showing, but who could cut these performers off when they're in full flow like this, despite how overwritten some of the speeches are? Besides, the recreations of the war are not the best showcases for writer and director Todd Robinson's screencraft. Set 32 years after the Vietnam War in the late 90s, the last full measure mirrors its own story, as it has taken Robinson over 20 years to get the film made. It seems as if America is just as unwilling to hear the testimony of their veterans now as they were then. It's a tricky balancing act, making a film about the Vietnam War that honours the real sacrifices, but doesn't belittle those sacrifices by worrying about how utterly pointless the whole conflict was. And Robinson doesn't even try. The only politics he's interested in here are internal military politics, which are fascinating, by the way, and the relationships and trauma experienced between the men. It's also quite interesting on what medals and honours actually mean to those men. It's not about glory or status, although it might be the higher up the chain you go. But Robinson and the voices of the veterans that he's channeling suggests that those medals might be the only way that their stories can be told in a way that those back home can understand. It makes something about their lives tangible to their families, anchors them to something other than just their long, sleepless nights. So, you know, I can't find a chain of command endorsements in the Pittsburgh file. So, put in your report. I'm missing something. What are you doing? What? This thing was ancient history before you were born. Let me let you in on something. It is an undisputed fact at the Pentagon that all the real hardware goes to the officers. There's been one enlisted Medal of Honor in the history of the Air Force. So somebody makes endorsements disappear because the guy's enlisted? It's not a can of worms you want to open. The last full measure is rated M for violence, offensive language and content that may disturb. It does have some quite graphic Vietnam War sequences, so be prepared. It's playing at select cinemas around the country from this weekend. And that's our program for another week. We're listening to the music from the closing credits of Alejandro Landa's film Monos that we talked about earlier. The score is by the redoubtable Micah Levy. As more and more cinemas around the country open up, I hope you'll take the opportunity to reacquaint yourselves with them. And as a former cinema owner myself, I can tell you that the margins on popcorn are awesome, so when you buy a big bucket of the stuff, it's as if you are making a direct donation to the cinema. I'm Dan Slevin, and you can find me on Twitter as at Dan Slevin, that's all one word, and there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen. I'll be back with some more suggestions for viewing at home and at the movies at the same time next week.